The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Podcast Network and is made possible by our many generous supporters. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash donate. Hi, I'm Don Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Black Panther. We will discuss the deeper layers and meaning of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movie from earlier this year, Black Panther. And joining me today on the panel today, uh, today, joining me on the panel today, today, <laughs> our Father Michael Gossett. Hi, Father. How's it going? Good, good. I'm a little uh, uh, jumpy, I think, uh, from, uh, <laughs> from today. And uh, also joining us today is Thomas Sanjurjo. Sanjurjo? Sanjurjo, you got it. You got oh, it, I got yeah. it right the first time. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, first and foremost, uh, it's the Feast of the Assumption as we record this. So happy feast day, gentlemen. You too. Thank you. Thanks. And uh, did I hear that it's your birthday, Father? Yeah, yeah, it is. Happy birthday. What a way to happy celebrate birthday. it. Thank you. <laughs> it's a great birthday for uh, for a priest today, for Amen. the Blessed Mother to be your uh, on your birthday. So um, let's get into it. First, I, first off, I just, you know, our usual warning uh, this is a spoiler podcast. We will talk about everything in this. So if you have not seen Black Panther, and if you have not, why not? It's been months, <laughs> and it is now available on streaming in all the different places. Uh, so we will talk about everything, and we will spoil the movie. So if you haven't seen it yet, uh, pause, go watch it, come back and listen. You'll get more out of it that way, too. So uh, Black Panther, big movie. And in fact, I think in some ways it was a bigger movie than even Marvel expected it to be. Um, huge box office. I think they did over a billion worldwide. Um, and if Avengers Infinity War had not come out this year, it would have been the biggest uh, superhero movie of the year in an age when superhero movies are practically tripping us up as we walk around the house. Um, so, uh, so it's a big movie. Um, what you, you're, let me just get your general impressions first. Thomas, let me start with you. What your general impression of the movie as a whole? And I'm asking you first because it was your original suggestion to do this podcast. So I, I want to uh, kind of give you the first word on it. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was really, I, I love the movie. And um, this is coming from a guy who knows all of the Marvel properties. I knew nothing about Black Panther pretty much at all. You know, I'd seen him in a couple of different appearances in the comics. And then going to see the movie, I was really impressed. And my, my favorite part of this movie is that it was the first step, I think, that we're going to have into genre superhero movies. And I was super excited coming out of it. And then, like you said, the, it was really popular. And I was amazed at the cross-section of people that was there, uh, that, that, that were there at the theater when we, when we went. And it was really neat to see just who all was there. It was people that would never go see a comic book movie, but because it was a lead black character, they were there and they showed up for support of that. Um, when I went, it was all ages, uh, older folks, young kids in between. Um, some of the people that I wouldn't expect were, would be some of the, um, the older, older folks, um, who I think were there and that they were uh, and specifically older, older black folks who I think were there because, uh, a representation from, for them on the screen like that. Um, so yeah, Absolutely. I I agree with that. That that's one of the reasons why it was so big. And we'll get more into some of those 
implications as we go along. Father, how about you? Your overall impression? Yeah, I'd have to agree. The uh, that was my same experience. I think I saw it twice in the theater, and um, it there were people there that I hadn't seen in other Marvel or superhero movies. And I, I've loved so many of the Marvel movies, but this one it stood out as like a unique sort of movie experience. The uh, the cultural elements and the uh, just the the way the film looked. It really blew me away, and I went back again because I liked it so much. I'm kind of amazed at how Marvel, especially, has taken some of what what to me seem like relatively minor characters in their vast pantheon of superheroes, and really made them big. I mean, Ant Man <laughs> as a big superhero yeah. movie, mm-hmm. uh, Black Panther as a big superhero movie. Um, I mean, Spider Man is huge. Spider Man has always been big, but even like Iron Man was never the the guy until right. Robert Downey Jr. inhabited that suit and that character. Uh, so yeah, I've, had that, I've had that conversation a few times with people where yeah. I think the best thing that happened to Marvel in doing this was the fact that X-Men were, was taken, Spider-Man was taken. Uh, all of their major properties were already out with other studios, so they had to go, okay, who's the B-list? we got to go with them. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and, the, the, and then, then the last 10 years, <laughs> which is right, great. Exactly. I've heard so many people complain about... Uh, Oh, they're just making more and more of these movies, but especially a movie like this stands out is like, this is totally different. Um, I haven't heard of Black Panther. I don't know anything about him. I'm not a comic books reader. And they made something really interesting and new. Right. And one of the things I was thinking about the movie today, it, the plot itself is not all that original. I mean, in fact, it's the, it's the same plot in almost all of the superhero movies. You know, hero starts out. Um, he's. He starts on a high, gets dropped to a low level, uh, you know, after encountering an unexpected obstacle, bounces around on the bottom of life for a little bit and then comes back and wins. You know, I mean, that's that's the hero's journey. I mean, so it's not it's not that they did anything particularly original with the with the basic plot line, but the the characters and and in that list of characters, I have to include the country of Wakanda itself is a right. major character in this movie. Um, it is, and it has, it has so much flavor. And I thought um, right around the same time that this movie came out, I was turned on to a website called uh, Dollar Street. And I don't know if you guys have seen this, but it, uh, it kind of it takes pictures of all the people in the world at different economic levels. And one of the really interesting thing is that all of the people at the top economic level live exactly the same way. It doesn't matter what country or culture you're from. If you are in that top level, you have this exact same, uh, you know, IKEA style furniture with the uh, plastic playground equipment and, uh, you know, a bed that's really nice and has a comforter and all of these things. Uh, and then if you're on the poor end of that scale, you have the same kind of culture there where everything is kind of a mishmash of whatever you can find and, uh, you cook, uh, boil your water in the same way, cook your food in the same way. And then to see Wakanda in, in that framework where you have this country that is that, you know, top tier, uh, kind of, uh, culture, but it's so cut off from the rest of the world that it is able to retain its own kind of, uh, sense of who it is was really, really impressive. Yeah. That's the one of the interesting things about it. And one of the things I think made this movie so popular was the idea that there, that an an African nation cut off from the world that had access to an incredible resource that provided uh, wealth and 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 science technology um, 
that it could have that, you know, an African nation under those circumstances could be at the top. And I think that fired the imagination of a lot of people uh, who's who's who are either from Africa or whose roots are in Africa or are in, uh, frankly, other places in the world where they're they're not they're not at the in the first world level, like in parts of Asia and that sort of thing or South America. Um, I think it fired the imagination of people like this is what could be possible. This is what our my people could have done. And I think that's one of the things that really got people excited about this movie uh, as well. I mean, as much as anything else about it, the superhero stuff, the idea of Wakanda, I think. Yeah, uh, we hear in a lot of movies like the background or the the setting is a character in itself. And that really came through in this. Uh, Something I saw at some point was that Chadwick Boseman, T'Challa, when he was coming up with his accent, that didn't want to have it be based on like, an English accent or anything in particular. And that really struck me as like, Oh, I just never thought of that, that a country without colonialism. And uh, yeah, it was just really fascinating. It's one of the interesting thing, things about it is, is we, like you were saying, Thomas, that like people at the top level all sort of have the same lifestyle, but, but also people at the top level in a lot of these nations that were colonized, these areas that were colonized, whether it's Africa or Asia, they have those, British accent or sometimes a French accent for that were French colonized because they still send their kids to British schools or French schools or that sort of thing. But in this case, they had very specifically a local accent, uh, you know, whatever. I, I think they they pulled from a variety of different actual languages. And uh, I saw that um, the the main language of Wakanda is actually a South African dialect. Um while the Jabari, one of the tribes that was separated from the other tribes for centuries, they actually speak Igbo from Nigeria. So, so mm-hmm. you know, someone people, people watching this movie from Africa are going, "Oh, they're speaking Igbo. They're speaking you know, the south of south." But for us, it's oh, these are these are languages. I don't know if they're made up or not, but they sound different and they sound authentic. Right. Uh, so, well, I, I it was really interesting when I was a uh, when I was in high school. I went to a mission in Africa, and we went to Uganda. And um, I, I love languages and I love learning languages and listening to languages. And so I listened really closely to the translator I had. And I was able to pick up on the fact that he was switching languages every once in a while while we were talking. And there was one point that really struck me where we got to the bottom of a hill. And I said, let's go up to the top of the hill and talk to those people. Because it wasn't very far from where we were, where, uh, where we were setting up camp. And um, he said, oh, no, they won't be interested in coming. And I asked, why not? And he said, well, they, they speak a different language. And um, I asked him a little more about why, and he said, well, they go to a different watering culture. And that was the that was the separator, you know, between these two cultures that oh, wow. deviated and had completely different languages just because of the water that they got. Hmm. That's wow. one of the, that's one of the aspects of of, of the African situation um, that kind of creeps into this story as well, which is throughout Africa, even though people live in the same country and oftentimes the borders of these countries were devised by colonizers uh, of some sort, they, 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 they still have these connections, these tribal connections. I mean, we saw that in a devastating way in Rwanda with the Hutus and the Tutsis and uh, in the genocide there. Uh, but we also see it. So we see it in this story with this initial mythology that, that we start with about the vibranium landing and these five tribes that were always at war that came together in peace under the first Black Panther. Um, and and they learn to live in peace, but yet still very distinct among them. And that's one of the, another nice thing I, I liked about this is that each of these tribes 
they they remain distinct in their in their dress in their way that they and and their their i guess their tribal identity is based on it's almost the caste system there's the border tribe the merchant tribe uh the the, the warrior tribe and then you have the jabari they're the the mountain people up up you know you have the river people and it's but but it's very much um it's not an ethnic division per se it it's it's sort of a division by place or by job or vocation in a sense um, right yeah by what they what their particular group of people has always done or has always been good at you know one of the things that i i had to kind of set aside was there are aspects of Wakanda that I kind of had a hard time sort of buying, which is could an advanced nation truly thrive without outside trade? I mean, could could they really like grow to what they are as depicted in the movie without having some trade with the outside world? You know, mm-hmm. could could one small nation like even the United States needs to trade outside its borders to get the, everything it needs. So I, I had a little hard time with that. But one of the other things a little more philosophical and and might not be fair to kind of impose on that movie. But heck, I'm going to do it anyway, which is uh, <laughs> are, are, are you familiar with Father Stanley Yaki? The uh, he's a, a, a theologian philosopher. Um, no, he no. Uh, he had a great book called The Savior of Science. Um, he's, he had a PhD in theology and a PhD in physics. So he was one of these, uh, uh, dual smart guys, uh, too smart for me. Uh, uh, but, uh, his, the thesis of this book is, is that science and technology had, a uh, took root in many places and flowered in some places, uh, or at least started to bloom in some places around the world throughout history in ancient China, in, uh, the lands of the Middle East, you had they had advanced technologies, advanced science, but it always withered on the vine. It wasn't until, uh, and, and even in ancient Greece, and it wasn't until you had Christian civilization, uh, primarily in this case based in Europe, uh, that science and technology and understanding of creation really flowered and bloomed and blossomed. Um, and that's because of Jesus is the Logos. He got in a Christian understanding, God is knowable. God is not a capricious God like so many of the other gods are. He's a personal God. Um, he's he is mystery that invites us to go deeper to understanding. And and it's and I find that very interesting. And so it, it what this has to do with the movie is um, as a, I guess it just kind of occurred to me as I watched it that from Father Father Yaki's uh, standpoint, even then Wakanda probably shouldn't have been as advanced as as it is because the the, the aspects of its animist religion, because they worship uh, the the panther goddess, and other p- parts of that, without Christ, it might not have flowered as it as it should have. Mm-hmm. But I just thought I thought that was an interesting thing. I mean, and I know I'm kind of imposing a bit on a story, but uh, but it's I just thought well, it was think- a thought. Yeah, and I, I think generally one of the things that bothered me was the fact that trial by combat or, or like a combat system to uh, determine who the next leader is, that's, that always is going to lead to hurt feelings, to damage, and to, to broken relationships. And so it's hard to maintain a culture, especially an isolated culture, that's fighting amongst itself as a part of who that culture is and not fall apart. Uh, and, and you see that even in just the one tribe that's, uh, you know, that's isolated themselves in the mountains, uh, because of a past injury. Right. And, and they don't agree with the, the way things are going. So they move off and, and separate. And that's 
how all those other cultures tended to fall apart was either by an uprising or by an overthrow of the government and everything shifts and changes. Uh, and, and it's hard to, to imagine that that would be maintained as long as it was, even with this concept of the Black Panther as their leader. Well, and I think the movie itself shows the danger of choosing your leaders by trial by combat, because mm-hmm. what you'll get is the most aggressive, uh, more most militant, dangerous uh, man will rise up and be leader because he'll defeat the the, the previous guy. Uh, that's the danger of it. You'll end up with a, a killmonger, which I just love this, these the comic villain names like <laughs> Kilgrave was taken. So they, so we need another so kill name. Kill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I just thought that was funny. Um, there's, e- there's even that tension in the movie. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into it of just that there are people that think like vibranium does practically everything in, in Wakanda that <laughs> right. does a lot. Uh, right. But there are people like Shuri and uh, is it Nakia? And then eventually, I mean, Killmonger that have this, that this isn't something to hide. And, and that's kind of like the big tension of the movie that right. even in this isolated place where this is the way we've done things, um, that there's that feeling like we should be serving others and that there's more to uh, having these riches than uh, just protecting ourselves and maintaining the status quo. Right. Yeah. There's like, and, and I, th- I think it's interesting that you use, that you use that term, uh, that you use the term sharing uh, and you, and you attach that to Killmonger because that's one of the themes that I thought mm-hmm. was really neat. And I, and I know, I know this has been uh, talked about ad nauseum about how sympathetic the character of Killmonger is that, mm-hmm. that you have a hard time not agreeing with some level of what he's saying uh, that that there is that that sense of this is not something that we need to close off and use only for ourselves. And in his, that's been warped into this needing to use it for power, but that he still understands that this is not a power that needs to be closed off just to us. Yeah, there's three poles of tension, basically, in, in this story. There's those who want to stay hidden, the the, the very conservative uh, ones who just know we need to continue to stay up, locked away from the world because the world is dangerous and we're afraid. Then there are those who want to open up Wakanda but but you and use this technology to conquer. You know, we right. are strong and we should conquer. And then there's the third way, which is the way that we eventually go with T'Challa, which is, no, we're going to open up because this is the world. The world has changed and we need to do this now and we can't hold back the world forever. Uh, but we're going to we're going to do it in a way that helps others. That is a. Uh, an open hand of friendship rather than a closed fist of aggression. And, uh, and I, I think that really is the, the, the answer that they, that's proposed to both Killmonger and to this, this, this idea that's raised up in this is like, you know, they, they, they kind of mentioned like there are 2 billion people of African descent in the world who have been, who are held under a yoke of oppression, which I think some, I think, I think some people could refute that, uh, the idea that there are 2 billion people, uh, of African descent who are under the yoke of oppression, but nevertheless, that's the idea that they that they advance, and that um, they I think they kind of re- reject the idea that they should rise up in revolution and conquer the conquerors, conquer their oppressors, but that um, what does he say? Um, more connects us than divides us. The 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 fool builds walls and the wise build bridges. I think I think that's a, a, a quote from him, and I think that's. I think that's the third way that, right. gosh, in the in the in the the world we live in right now, the real world, 
we, we need this much more. We could use it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. We, we need to build bridges among people and stop building walls between us. I, I don't. I'm not commenting on immigration, so don't take <laughs> me the wrong way. Yeah, but. I don't. I'm not saying one thing one way or the other. I mean, uh, metaphorical walls between us. Right. Uh, so uh, absolutely, it makes me think of uh, think back to uh, Captain America: Civil War as well. That like this movie is directly out of T'Challa having these experiences of meeting the Avengers and kind of like coming to terms with uh, not seeking revenge and working with other people. And you kind of see that play out that he's been a changed man already from the beginning of this movie, from the death of his father and going into it that he kind of has to make that choice, like you said, between those poles of staying where we are, using this for violence, or I think it's exemplified by his sister of we have, we have something to offer. And especially uh, when we look at countries in Africa, the assumption is so much like we need to help them. We need to do things for them. But Wakanda in, in this universe is there's something really great to offer to the world, not just technologically. Right. 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 Um, one of the, one of the things that, uh, that he's, that uh, T'Challa concludes about Killmonger is, uh, he, you know, he says he's a monster. He says to his father on the spear plane, he is a monster of our own making in the sense of like, like, cause his father literally made him this monster by killing the, the Killmonger's dad, his, who was the king's brother. Um, he, he made him in that lit- literal sense, but also just he's a monster of our making because of how we've closed ourselves off, uh, right. where we're suspicious and we're afraid of others and we we hide uh behind our walls with all of our wealth and all of our power um in in and so he's a monster of their own making in that sense as well right and i think the, the really interesting thing that caught me about killmonger was that uh how otherworldly wakanda was and as a viewer uh, that's not of African descent, that, that has no real connection back to that uh, African sense of, of tribalism or of mysticism or any of those things. Uh, Killmonger was my gateway character. He was the character <laughs> that I had to default to. And, you know, Ross was there to an extent, uh, Martin Freeman's character, but uh, he was so, uh, you know, sideways and, and not really involved in the story for so much of it that I, I had to go in with this lens of of viewing the world through Killmonger's eyes. And and then, um, you know, my wife pointed out, we got into a discussion about this, and she pointed out that in the end, the only character that really knows what's going on on both sides of the issue is Killmonger. He's right. the one that has a full view of one side and a full view of the other side, no matter how wrong it might be. He's he's the one that really does actually understand both sides of the argument. Here, speaking of Killmonger, I, I have to say something I think is somewhat controversial and, and unpopular because every time I say it, everyone disagrees with me. I didn't particularly like Michael B. Jordan's portrayal. Like, I, I, I didn't. I found the acting to be wooden a little bit. Um, uh, but maybe I, I, I am going to actually agree with you. Oh, good. <laughs> and, and, good. And it's 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 mostly because I've seen him in other roles that he's done, especially other roles in um in Kugler's films. That he does such a great job of of pouring the emotion into the character that. I, and I, I think I kind of know what he was going for. Like I can understand where he was trying to play the character, but there were so many spots where he was just a a, a prop character. And, yeah. And it, 
and, and what carried him was just the concept of the character and the idea of the character and the acting didn't have to be fully there. But yeah, I do agree that there was a lot of, there were a okay. lot of points where I was like, I don't know, I don't know how to, I don't know if I'm really feeling that. I understand it, but I'm not sure if I'm really feeling it. Right now. Oh, good. Cause yeah. it's not just me. <laughs> I don't, so yeah, I don't entirely disagree. Uh, I think I read into it a little of, he's such a broken guy that, uh, and yeah. so I think that layer was on top of everything of that he doesn't know how to relate to people in any sort of healthy right. way that, I mean, his nickname is Killmonger, that, uh, <laughs> right. that that's right. what he's defined his life as. And, uh, yeah, it, even in spots where it felt kind of just like he's just the bad guy, um, I think his, at least his brokenness really comes through. And that's right. the thing that really struck me. Yeah. And I think he kind of just, he, it was an emotional single note from him. Mm-hmm. It was sort of the same, no matter what was going on and who he was killing. And it just was the same sort of note. Um, but also I think he kind of suffered a little bit because he's surrounded by such great actors. Mm-hmm. Um, Lupita right. Nyong'o, Chadwick Boseman, Angela Bassett, Forrest Whitaker, on and on and on. There's so, such, so many great actors in this movie, which is another re- reason I think that made it so great was you had such high levels of, of ability in, in this movie. It was just great. Um, so well, the other thing is too, the, my pet peeve, Killmonger could not have graduated from Annapolis at age 19. It is not possible. <laughs> it's not allowed. It's not like you go to Harvard at 14. The whole point <laughs> is in a service academy, you, you are one of the crowd and you don't stand out in that way. <laughs> so, right. Sorry. Just, uh, but, just I had to say that. Uh, technicalities in comic book movies. You can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's not a lot, but man, it's what is one thing I do know. I knew about that. Um, uh, yeah. uh, another moment I have to point out is the, uh, <clears throat> the two white guys in this movie are uh, Bilbo and Gollum. And yeah. I kept waiting for when he was interviewing him in that room for them to start doing a riddle game. I just, you know, <laughs> those two things uh, really stood out to me. I will say for me, the one thing that redeemed that um, his whole way of acting the character was, and, and I know I'm going to be mixing my universes here, but a lot of the Joker played through. Yeah. He's, he, like you're saying, he's that broken kind of manic character mm-hmm. and and the notes that he had were they they were flat and uh, i think anybody who's ever been depressed uh knows you know they, they know that feeling where it doesn't matter what you're feeling everything feels the same you can be super happy you can be really sad but it's all just kind of muted and and dead and that's yeah. uh, and that's part of uh you know one of the other themes that i thought was really great was this concept of challenging the fatherhood yes of both of these characters and it speaks to the, the, the whole situation of especially African American, uh, people and the, the cultures that they're coming from where fatherhood is such a, uh, touchy subject. Um, you know, you have so many men that are in prison or that have died and, uh, that are just not present in the lives of these young men. And here you have two men who had one had his father present, but only in a very, uh, separated way. And then the other who had his father stolen from him as a young child uh, because of who he was and how he disagreed with the status quo. And to see the way that they are guided through life is really an impressive uh, feat to come out in the movie. I felt like there was a the movie was had a, a huge theme about identity and the identity of being uh, African or Afri- <laughs> African-American, a son, a brother, a king. I mean, mm-hmm. T'Challa and Killmonger are two sides of a coin. I mean, right to the right. end where they're both Black Panther 
in that right. sense, you know, I mean, they're, they're two sides of the same coin. They're cousins. Um, and, and there's a little bit of there, but for the grace of God, go I in, in all that, right. or, or from Killmonger's point of view, if only I had the advantages that T'Challa had, that could have been me. Uh, right. and, and so that moment when Killmonger takes the, he, he eats the, uh, the heart shaped, uh, fruit, uh, that gives him the Black Panther powers and makes him king, uh, and then burns all the rest. He's in a sense he's sort of rejecting the kingship that he's taken, uh, but right. basically saying I've I I've come back, I've taken Wakanda, and now I'm destroying everything that made Wakanda what it is, um, because the Black Panther was at the heart of of the Wakandan idea. Um, and so I thought that was a very interesting moment uh, in the in the movie when when he when he does that and he sort of rejects that identity uh, that T'Challa embraced. Both, right. of, both of them kind of had that like an image of Wakanda from their fathers that they had to sort of reckon with. And uh, both were untrue in a way that for T'Challa, that uh, that isolationism and the fact that his his father had killed his uncle. Uh, and orphaned uh, Killmonger, but then Killmonger had that same sort of misleading image of Wakanda of that it is this place where they're lucky and they're hoarding it for themselves, and and neither were really true, and so they both had to kind of rise above the men that had come before them. And I, and you mentioned on that scene of him just taking the throne. That's such a it's a heartbreaking part of the movie that uh, you see everyone sort of suffering between we should listen to him because he's the king, but this is also horrible that they don't know how to deal with it. And it kind of comes together for everybody. Right. Um, there's a, the, the, well, let, let me kind of shift gears for a second that, uh, right now. And cause you mentioned, um, uh, Okoye's moment when she had to, she's the, the general, the leader of the King's guard, um, the, the, the leader of his army. Uh, she has that moment when she has to choose between, the throne that she serves and the man who sits on the throne, uh, who she despises now, Killmonger. Um, and, her, and Nakia walks away, but Okoye cannot because of that vow. Uh, but I want to kind of shift and talk about the women of Wakanda. Um, it's an interesting culture in that uh, women whole, are wholly equal to men, it seems, in, in all the respects. Um, all of the Kingsguard are women. Women are at the forefront, the forefront of the technology. Um, Nakia is one of the war dogs. It's what they call uh, Wakandans who go out into the world secretly to sort of um, to provide information back about what's going on in the world. Uh, she's she's a, a war dog as well. And, and so it's very interesting to see the role of women in Wakanda, uh, which I, I don't know is is Africa like that as well? I mean, do we, uh, what's it? I mean, is this, is this more of the, the way things could be, or is it reflecting a reality in certain African cultures? Do you, do you, either of you know? I can't answer that question. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> that was yeah, yeah. something I wanted to figure, uh, find out I, I, before we talked, I couldn't get a, I couldn't get any uh, answer to that for me, but it does, uh, it's a good question. Though. Yeah. And, and I think it's, I, I thought even the love interest, uh, the love interest concept was so well played because Nikia um, wasn't uh, a, a traditional love interest in any way. Uh, yeah. She was very much T'Challa's equal, very much a challenge for him in a lot of ways. 
And um, you almost feel like if he didn't have the Black Panther uh, thing going for him, that she would be his better. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, and, and that's it's such a great feeling and such a great change from your, your typical superhero saves the damsel in distress uh, mode. But then it wasn't it, it wasn't uh, in your face. It wasn't like really uh, overpowering. And I really liked the subtlety to it and the simplicity of it. It's yeah. so organic. And I, what you just said, Thomas, is exactly it, that uh, Okoye and Akia and everybody, they're just living their lives. And it's not uh, watching the movie. I didn't feel like I was being preached to saying this is just a very normal way of living. And the respect that's there for his mother and for the his sort of, like, I guess you could say, colleagues and even the sort of playful banter with his sister that you can tell they love each other and they respect each other and both offer something. Uh, she couldn't be the Black Panther, but he couldn't be the Black Panther without all the great stuff that she builds for him. And, and yes. right. I think she stood out and above almost everybody in the movie for me is just a great, powerful woman character uh, who we haven't seen before. Yeah, Shuri is cue to his James Bond. Uh, yeah, right. Where we have that that cue moment, rather by the by the way, where she shows them all the 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 cool toys, and thus shows us all the cool toys uh, mm -hmm. as they as they work, uh, you know, uh, as they do do that. Uh, that's a a great aspect of uh, of their relationship, you know. And one of the things that um, I liked about the about Nakia in this, uh, I mean, I just love Lupita Nyong'o in everything she does. She's mm -hmm. so wonderful. Yeah. Uh, but in this, she has such agency. She 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 ha like she doesn't you know it's not just i am the king and i have chosen you to be my queen i mean she's like you know uh, at the moment i'm not interested in what you're offering and you know <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do my own thing but we're still friends right i mean it's just it's sort of it it it's a different kind of kingship for certain i mean there's there's great respect but there's not uh groveling before him uh, and, and and but neither is it um uh, too familiar. There's a nice balance there. I, f I felt like they really struck a good balance in his relationships with the people around him, uh, and it, it felt right and it was good. Um, so it felt it felt real and it felt genuine, and that was yeah. and in the, with the backdrop of this isolated country that has its own uh, strange culture and it's so otherworldly, you felt the family aspect to it, and that was really it was such a great thing to just feel like. Uh, like you were, like you said, it, it's an everyday, they were, they were living their lives and this is something that interrupted their lives and we get to see that interruption and how it plays out and all the interconnectedness that they have with each other. Yeah. So at this point, I kind of want to shift a little bit to talk a, a little about some of the things that I, uh, that I thought were um, either I didn't get or I, I, I thought were not as well done. Uh, the, the, the whole subplot with Claw, Andy Serkis's character, I felt was a little abbreviated. It sort of felt like, oh, here's this guy. He's an important guy. Here's this thing happening. And suddenly he's dead. Like, oh, <laughs> OK. Like it just they kind of built him up to be very important. And then he was just dead. And I'm like, that just seemed weird to me. Um, and then uh, there was another bit that where uh, his friend Maccabi, who was Okoye's love interest, he was that he was, you know, the I guess uh, he wasn't the leader of the border tribe, but he was the maybe the son of the leader or something like that. He would seem to be very important there. He's sort of, he's, he's lifelong friends with T'Challa. And then he throws him under the bus, like, just like that, like yeah. snap of the fingers. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and I felt like that was a little too easy. So those two things really kind of, 
struck me. Uh, did any reaction from you guys on on those? I think uh, to to address the claw issue, I think that that might be a little bit of how the MCU is causing some of the stories to suffer because you have a character that was set up in another movie yeah. uh, to be this vibranium smuggler. So we've seen him already. We've have this kind of sense of who he is and it, it rang false in this movie uh, just because this movie was so much its own thing. And while it fit into the MCU, it really did have its own story and feel. So you were able to ignore other stuff that, that you you were bringing in from outside of it. And that was that was kind of a hindrance to that because the MCU was expecting you, oh, well, you already know this guy, so we don't have to build this story much. And we can just ignore that and get to the really important part, right? Right. Uh, and, I, and that's one way that they're suffering. Uh, and, and I think if they want to go with these more genre kind of movies, they're going to have to peel back the layers of what makes a good introduction of a character in a movie that's going to stand alone by its, uh, on its own merit. Okay. Yeah, he he wasn't much of a character in Age of Ultron either, and then for That's him true. to kind of <laughs> barely show up in this one was was a little confusing. Uh, the the other point you brought up, Dom, that was like the one thing in the movie that uh, I kind of thought after watching the battle that they have at the end that uh, he turned the the man you mentioned whose name I cannot remember. Macabi. Yeah. Yeah. turns on uh, his friend. And I thought it was his wife. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm not totally sure, but like what happens next? Uh, how do they deal with this, uh, after the movie and, a- and when they move on? And, and that felt kind of, uh, I, you could understand his frustrations that nothing had been done about his father's death and that, uh, he wanted claw. He wanted that, that justice, but, uh, it was a pretty quick turn and felt, felt a little weak. You, you could say he wanted closure. So, sorry oh, oh, sorry wow <laughs> well that's actually another point you bring up is this wakandan civil war you have wakandans killing wakandans and mm-hmm. i mean this this should be disastrous for a country uh, but you know we're kind of got over it quickly <laughs> yeah yeah well, I, I think that comes back to that that concept of the the intertribal fighting where you know the tribal combat is is the norm and uh it almost has to be something that they are used to where they're, there are brief bouts of civil war. Uh, then, okay. Uh, this thing gets adjusted. Okay. Now we're all good. We're settled. All right. And they shake hands and they move on with life. Um, and death is just, is part of that. And, and when people are upset about death, it's not about death between them, but it's death from someone from the outside. And so that's why the, the claw issue is a really big issue because it's an outsider that killed one of us. And that, somehow in this this isolationist mentality is a, a much greater fault than internal conflict yeah you, yeah you see that with the jabari too that uh there's that respect there between mbaku and t'challa uh even when there is a rivalry that they save t'challa and eventually they do help at the end when they were kind of presented their enemies and they want to change things but there's even with that separated tribe there's a real respect uh and sort of that baseline of, of mutual honor that, that carries through everything. Mm-hmm. So the other, uh, I'm not going to call it flaw, but the other thing that kind of strikes me in the movie is that is the end when um, after the final battle between uh, Killmonger and T'Challa um, and Killmonger is dying, he gets to see his Wakandan sunset. But there's no redemption in that. He just, he pulls out the thing and dies. There's no forgiveness. 
It would have yes. been a, it would have been a better story yes. if he'd re- accepted reconciliation and was embraced by Wakanda and by T'Challa as a true brother, the son of his father's brother. That would have been a yeah. better story, I think. Mm-hmm. But and but I, I thought I loved that moment, and I hated it walking out of the theater. I hated it. <laughs> I hated the fact that there was no redemption. I hated the fact that that there was this like this flat note at the end and. You know, you can make an argument, well, it's setting up something else. It's going to allow us this uh, next entry. But even just ending on that, it's like a, like a, a great piece of music that rises to this awesome crescendo and then ends on a minor chord. And and that's what it felt like to me. You know, we talked about the, the vision of, that each of these men had of Wakanda before and them sitting there actually seeing Wakanda at the end of the movie and just both of them having their own final look in that state that they're in was, was really, really powerful. The more I go back to it, the more I really like that it was that subdued, uh, didn't provide closure because we don't have closure on all the issues in, right. in life that we face. And so it was like that minor chord at the end of a really great orchestra. Okay. Okay. I, I think I, more, yeah. more than pretty much any other MCU villain, you can really uh, sympathize with Killmonger. And, and I think just that, it doesn't end with them rejoicing that the enemy's dead, but it, T'Challa's sad about it. And Killmonger would have been a great character to bring back uh, if he had sort of rejoined Wakanda and, you know, later on go to fight Thanos or whatever they would have had in mind. Uh, but uh, just to have that, that it is sad that this guy who was betrayed by family uh, and uh, it hurt and it wasn't pleasant, but uh, I can see the I can see the merit in it. So let's talk a little bit. You mentioned Thanos. Let's talk a little bit about Wakanda and the Black Panther in Avengers Infinity War. Um, I, I assume you both have seen that. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's a good assumption. Um, so Wakanda plays a key role at the end. It's the one place on Earth that do you want to conduct a battle against a, a alien species because they have the technology to fight. So that's a good place right. to choose to do this. Um, and it's interesting because it had the events of this movie not taken place, what happens in Infinity War could not have taken place. It wouldn't have had the battle there. It would have been in, I don't know, New York or something, which would, you know, New York gets destroyed for the 15th time or whatever. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> yeah. But so I, I find it very interesting that the, you know, we had to have the movie Black Panther in order to have the events of Infinity War as much as the events are meaningless in the end because he snapped his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently well, we're not going yeah. to, go ahead. I, I, I thought I liked, I, I liked that we go from one super sympathetic antagonist, an antagonist who you can totally understand as wrong as he might be. And as wrong as you might feel that he is, you can still uh, agree with him to another one, the same way where Ultron comes in and it's like, well, I mean, he's not Th- Thanos. You mean, Than or I'm sorry, yes, but Thanos. So he comes in and Thanos comes in and you're like, well, he's not wrong. It's not a great way to think of things. You know, let's just kill half the universe and that'll solve all the problems. But he sees injustice and he's trying to do something about it. And and it's manic and it's uh, a little bit loose, but he still sees the injustice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's this there's this weird feeling throughout, and we, we we talked about this uh, on a, a previous podcast. We talked about Secrets of Avengers Infinity War, so folks go check that one out. But but you know, there's this weird feeling throughout that you keep have to, having to remind yourself: wait, 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 wait. 
Thanos is the bad guy. I'm not supposed to sympathize. I'm not <laughs> right. supposed to. Yeah, I'm not yeah. supposed to root for him. Uh, it's like another series, a TV series I'm watching right now. I'm binging. The series has ended, but I'm watching now. It's uh, the Americans about Soviet spies, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh yeah, oh you got to escape from the FBI. No wait, no, they're the bad guys. I want them to get caught. <laughs> right, you know, right. <laughs> it's that weird feeling in there, uh, and uh, there's been a lot of that in entertainment now. Now that I think mm-hmm. of it, because House of Cards was the same way, where uh, Frank. Um, the, uh, the, Kevin Spacey's character becomes president and he's the protagonist of the story, but he's a bad guy, you know? And so right. there's a lot of that. And so we see that in black Panther. We see that in infinity war. Um, it's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting aspect of, of storytelling today that makes me wonder what it is as a culture. We're trying to work out <laughs> where right, we have right. yeah. the bad guy that is, is we, we kind of sympathize with. I've seen a lot of critique of that in Christian circles, just that like, why can't we have good guys and bad guys? And why do we have to make all the bad guys okay in the end? And there's, there's something to that. But I think the other thing is that uh, at least when it comes to humans or in the MCU, various aliens that nobody's ultimately bad. uh, Nobody's totally evil. And that is a a Christian uh, concept to, to see that there's some goodness to fight for and even the worst people. And, and Thanos is a great example is that he's another broken person that he, uh, terrible things right. happened. And now he's, he's reacting from that and he's worth stopping obviously. Um, but to see that uh, where, where these like bad decisions come from matters because that's all of us. And, and I think the other thing uh, somebody asked me before infinity war, well, do I need to see black Panther? To understand it and i thought like well no but you really should see black panther <laughs> right, exactly it, yeah it, just, it makes the that battle so much more meaningful to like this is a place you've gotten to know a little bit and these people that you get to, to see and appreciate and uh see them fighting for their lives and then ultimately suffer that terrible defeat at the end it it really it really you really feel it at the end you know, uh, just a couple thoughts. One is um, no, nobody in reality, no bad guy sees himself as the bad guy. You know, in mm-hmm, in, right. in our world, Hitler thought he was the good guy in that sense. Uh, so it, it's it, it, it sort of attracts a little more realistic to have that. Uh, the other thing about um, should I, you know, the, the Black Panther versus the movie versus what happens in Infinity War. The, actually, what happens in Infinity War, there's less Black Panther than I, than I think there would have been. Had Black Panther come out uh, before they filmed Avengers Infinity War in the sense right. of if they had known how big I think the the success of Black Panther really surprised everyone. Right. And if they'd known how big it would have been, they would have made T'Challa and Wakanda a bigger part of Infinity War. That's Definitely. I think yeah. that's in general. You know, there's well, inter- and, I, and I tell you, I hope MCU keeps. Uh, I hope I hope they keep surprising themselves with how good these movies are because uh, uh, Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy was the same way where oh, it yeah, came man. out. Nobody expected it to be a really big hit, and all of a sudden, oh my gosh, the Guardians of the Galaxy is phenomenal. And then uh, you know, Black Panther comes out the same way. Uh, and and I, I like that. I like that they're getting to the point where these movies are they're they're so ubiquitous. There's so many superhero movies that we really can start moving into telling stories. Right. Through a superhero movie. Right. Yeah. Instead of just reveling in the fact of a superhero doing superhero things, super heroic exactly. things was yeah. the word exactly. I was looking for there. <laughs> who would have who uh, made Ant-Man? 
and then right. it's great. Like, right. yeah. And, and to look across the aisle over at DC to see the success of Wonder Woman. I mean, right. Which is yeah. half of it is just Gal Gadot is just she's just great. She's just amazing in that role. But but you know, it's really interesting to see you know Wonder Woman, a movie made about a, a female superhero, made by a female director. Um, that doesn't feel like it's bashing over the head with an agenda to to right. a, to an extent. I mean, it's still a Hollywood movie, so it you know all Hollywood movies have a bit of an agenda. But but and the same thing with Black Panther, which it it speaks particularly to uh, African American culture, uh, you know, to, to African Americans. But yet it's it's accessible to everyone, and it's because it's made by uh, uh, African Americans primarily and 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 it and it's an expression of a culture uh without having to carry a lot of other baggage with it and because it's in the shape of a superhero movie which everybody it's 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 a that's a universal thing a superhero movie um it it i think it brings down barriers and builds bridges like the, right. they said in the movie so yeah and it's it's almost like the story the story can get out of the way and you can actually tell a story. So you, oh, yeah. like you said, right. it follows the same tropes, right? The hero's the hero starts out on a high, he goes to the low, he comes back in the end. And so that's all done. We've got that. So now what are we actually going to say <laughs> with the movie? Right, right. Yes. And even uh, if it's not my culture, it was such a pleasure to have a taste of, of all that and to, to mm -hmm. experience that and see how much that could mean for an African-American person to see those people and those faces in a superhero movie. That's a huge deal. I watched a, a roundtable discussion of some of the uh, comic book writers through, uh, throughout uh, the run of Black Panther and the people who made the movie. And um, it's on the, uh, it was on the DVD extras or the, the streaming extras on iTunes. That's where I bought the movie. And um, it was very interesting. Someone makes a point uh, at one point where they, they encountered a young woman, a, 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 a black girl, a teenage girl who said, because I saw Shuri, who could, who is this sciencey girl, I think I want to learn science. I want to get into science. And I'm like, see, that's it's just it shouldn't have to be that you see someone just like you doing the thing to encourage you to do it. But right. that's the way it is. You have to, <laughs> you know, for a you lot of really kids. Do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and it's and it, it inspires you. It's inspiring, and that's uh, and that's what movies are supposed to be. Movies are supposed to be you, you're seeing forty foot tall people right. act out things in front of you, and and it's it can't help but be inspiring. So you really do. We want to try and expand that out as much as we can. Right. So uh, I've I've kind of gone through uh, what I wanted to say. I just want to give you a chance. If there's anything that we left on the table, uh, Thomas, is there anything that you had more you wanted to say? Uh, specifically uh i uh, know i i think we covered we covered okay. most of it yeah all right, father are you all you all set anything else you had to offer on that uh, black panther i think uh this is the last thing uh i enjoy martin freeman a lot i oh, think yeah. he he did a good job for like a small role but he was i really he was highly entertaining as the as the like you said the outsider in this movie now we need to get Ross together with Doctor Strange. Yeah. That would be the <laughs> yes, and, and Claw. That would be very weird. <laughs> All right, and there has to be a Sherlock joke in there somewhere. <laughs> yes, there has to be. Uh, and Martin Freeman, good, good American accent. That was a, that was a good one. Better mm -hmm. than Benedict Cumberbatch's. <laughs> All right, so I think that's it from us. Uh, so to the listener, what did you think of Black Panther? What did you think of what we had to say about it? We want to hear from you. 
Um, we'd, we'd love to get your take on what we said. And, and if you, the three of us are not African-American, we don't come from that culture. If you are, and you have a take on it, I, we'd love to hear from you, uh, what you, you know, what you think of what we had to say about it, whether we're on target or not, uh, and what you had to say about the movie, but we'd love to hear from anybody, um, who's listening. Um, so go to sqpn.com or to the SQPN Facebook page, find this show in the listing there. And leave us a feedback uh, on, you know, leave us a comment um, or you can send us an email to secrets at sqpn.com. You can write one out or you can, if you have your phone, you can use the voice memo function on the phone. Most phones have a voice memo function. And then you can share this. I think the share button on most phones is a little box with an arrow pointing out of it and share to email and email us the voice memo. And then we can play it on a future episode of Secrets of Movies and TV, Ooh. which would be nice. Um and also, just a favor, if you could go to iTunes and leave us a review, perhaps, of the show, uh, maybe a five-star review because you like it so much. Uh, <laughs> and the reason I ask is because it helps the algorithm that iTunes uses. Uh, if it if you get, if it's a show's getting a lot of good reviews, it's going to sh show it to more people as they go through the directory. So it helps us get the word out. And similarly... Please share uh, this podcast or uh, one of our other SQPN podcasts with friends who might be interested. Get the word out. We're really trying to reach a wide audience with uh, our particular take from a Catholic point of view on aspects of pop culture. And so uh, your, your your help is necessary in doing that. So make sure you subscribe to our podcast feed to ensure that you re receive all future installments of The Secrets of Movies and TV shows. And there are links in our show notes uh, for various things that we've mentioned on the show and to our uh, various places on the internet. And so until next time uh, we get together on Secrets of Movies and TV, Father Michael Gossett, thank you for sharing in The Secrets of Black Panther. My pleasure. Uh, Thomas Senyuryo, thank you as well. Senyuryo. There you go. <laughs> I'm going to get it right eventually. Uh, thank you. And once again, I'm Don Bethanelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. <laughs>